Just uh, north of Libertyville, uh, on Milwaukee Avenue, out by the Merritt Golf Club, on the, on the right-hand side of the road, there is a monastery for Eastern Rite uh, Christians. Um, and today is the day they celebrate um, Christmas Day. So for millions of Christians throughout the world, today is Christmas Day. And it also is a day when, in different cultures, when today is the day they actually exchange gifts. So the gift giving is for some Christians on Christmas Eve and day, and then for other Christians, obviously, of the Eastern Rite, and for different cultures, they have today is a big celebration of gift giving as well. Last uh, Thanksgiving, I traveled back to Ireland to visit my mother, who's now in a nursing home. So in the afternoon, my duty was to go and collect her and bring her up to her home in the afternoon. My brothers and sisters do this quite a bit when I am here. So when I go, they abandon ship and leave it all to me. So I went to get her, and I knew my two sisters were coming to meet me at the house. But I got delayed because nothing is straightforward in Ireland. If you go into a nursing home, you know, everybody wants to talk to you, and it just takes longer than, than normal. And uh, so I got delayed. So when I got back to home, my sisters were there, and we started to chat. And we were just talking about different things, drinking tea, talking, and everything. And then I started to tell them about myself. And, you know, I said I was at the doctor recently, and they did all these blood tests and gave me pages and pages and pages of printouts and stuff I couldn't even understand. And the next thing, uh, you know, I said, they said, well, how was it? I said, everything was great, only one thing. He said, uh, there's too much sugar in my blood. He said, you have to reduce it. And I have a fondness for chocolate. So I said, does that mean no more chocolate? He says, no more. That's it. And, uh, you know, I felt like saying, I looked at him and I looked at me and I felt like saying to him, yeah, practice what you preach, doctor. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> so anyway, we chatted a little bit more and then I said, okay, let me put my coat upstairs in my bedroom. I'll be back down. And I went, went upstairs. There on my bed was two beautifully wrapped boxes of chocolates. <laughs> my Christmas gift from each of my sisters. They were expensive, wrapped ribbons, everything, and they wanted to take them back. And I stood and looked at the boxes of chocolates, and they knew what I was seeing, and they remembered what I said when I was downstairs. It was an embarrassing moment. So I came back down. I said, thank you so much for the gift. I said, those doctors, they don't know everything. <laughs> I tried to cover over, but needless to say, it was very, very embarrassing. So when I go back next, I better bring them a good gift. So the gift giving and receiving, some people would say there's a psychology behind it. Some people would say that when somebody gives you a gift, it is something they want to receive themselves. But what I want to speak to you about today is not the psychology of gift giving, but the spirituality of it. And I just want to mention a few things. It's easier for me to read. That gift giving, giving a gift and receiving a gift, is a spiritual reality. 
It is an embodied attempt to communicate one spirit to someone we care for. The invisible within us becomes visible. The gift is the substantiation of our love. So in giving a gift to a loved one, we are making something that is within us, invisible, visible. It is something that is something that is very beautiful to do and, and something that's very important to do. So it is, uh, it is, it is, there is a spirituality behind it and it is important we remember this when it comes to, to what we are celebrating today. The perfect gift always comes from a relational flow. When there is a relationship and a very deep relationship between the person giving the gift and the person receiving the gift. And each of the persons receiving or giving are built up by the gift. You know, there's something, if, if a parent gives a Christmas gift to a child and they see the child opening the gift at Christmas with delight, there's something happens to the child, but there's also something that happens to the parent as well. They take delight in the fact that their child is happy and that they're enjoying this. So there is, there is the, the, when, the, when the gift is received wholeheartedly, then, then the, the, the person is, is it, it's nearly as if the presence of the person becomes part of the, of the receiver. The presence of the parent becomes part of, nearly you could say enters into that of the child as well. So I'm just giving you this as a kind of a background uh, when it comes to what you're celebrating uh, today, when we talk about the gift of the child Jesus. And when the Magi come there, and they're led by a star, now in ancient civilizations, the belief was when a new king was born, a new star would appear in the sky. So they, by saying that a new star appeared in the sky, and it was the largest of the stars, that meant the greatest king is born among us. And they were following this star, but they weren't, you know, what they saw was a child in, in an animal's feeding trough. What these great men, astrologers, were looking for, this is what they found. But why we call them wise is because they were able to see in that little child something incredibly profound indeed. And when they knelt down and they prostrated themselves before the child, once again, in ancient times, by bending the knee, was giving our allegiance to what they saw in that child. And what they saw in the child is revealed in the, in the, um, in the gifts that they give. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. It, it, what they saw in the child communicated to them something about God's divinity, about God's plan for humanity. And God's act, dying on the cross, was an act of sacrificial and unconditional love for all of us. And let us look briefly at, in offering the gold, about the, the divinity, the divinity that is communicated in the child. It is a beautiful message of, of a God who doesn't let go. 
of anyone, and God who is present for everyone always. There's a classic spiritual book called The Hound of Heaven. And in many ways, you could say the child embodies that. As a bloodhound would chase down, say, for example, in the movies, an escaped convict. That is how God is in our lives, and that is what the child represents, a God who won't let go of any of us and is right now present in a very beautiful and gentle way in each of your souls, wanting an ever more intimate relationship with each one of us. The frankincense, another beautiful message about the dignity of human life and how what God's plan is for each one of us to, to live a dignified, respectful life by the very fact that we are God's beloved children, by the very fact that we are created in God's image and likeness, we are entitled to a way of life in which there is no domination, no discrimination, and no deprivation. That is the dynamic of the Blessed Trinity in whom we are created. It's part of our DNA, and that is what we are entitled to. And that is what, why we come to church, because we are the people of God from the very beginning of God's relationship with us. We are joining a movement. We are joining a purpose. We are joining a way of ensuring that in the world with which we live in, that every human being can live a life in which there is no domination, no discrimination, and no deprivation. And that is easier said than done. But that is what God puts us here for. And this is what they saw in the humanity of that child before them. And last but not least, in the mirror, was used for anointing of somebody who was sick or anointing of a king, but in, in, when it came to Christ, it was for his anointing when he would die on the cross. He died on the cross um, because of love because he wanted to show the depth of God's love in our lives. It went so far, it went to the very end. It actually went through death into the fullness of resurrected life. It went beyond death into the fullness of life. And this is also what, what they saw there as well. And this is what they bowed down and worshiped. They knelt down and gave their allegiance to this. They accepted the fullness of the message that the child was communicating. I will conclude by saying something very simply. There were some people at the time of Christ who found that little child incredibly threatening. Herod and all his cronies, political power and religious power in their day. They were so insecure because what they got power from was, was fear and oppression and division. But a simple child in a feeding trough could threaten all of that. And they were against it. Now sometimes when people are totally against something, it is much easier to deal with than the more, the more sinister of things, which is indifference. And if you want to kill something, they say, if you want to kill an idea, if you want to kill 
a way of life, be indifferent to it, because it's very difficult to fight indifference. And that is what uh, we have to remind ourselves today uh, about the danger of becoming indifferent to what the child represents and to what the child stands for. A world in which there is no domination, no discrimination, and no deprivation. And uh, what we are invited to do is to be wise, like the wise men, to see this in the child Jesus, and to bow down and worship it, to bend our knee, and to give our allegiance totally to the child who is the way and the truth and the life.